Welcome back to Real Phonies, where we take a love for movies and television and combine it with very little knowledge about movies and television. I'm your host, Christian. Join with me and my co-host, Joseph. Yellow. And Jehu. No cats in there, huh? (laughs) No, I just decided I didn't care about their feelings today. That was rude, right? (laughs) Uh, They don't care about your feelings. That's very true. I, I live under kitty law, so I, I, they may own me. But I, I guess after watching the, the Matrix, I felt the need to rebel. Fair enough. That's a good transition point. We're talking about the Matrix sequels today. Movies revisited. You're in quarantine. You have nothing better to do. Why not go back and watch a movie that probably offended you when it first came out <laughs> and see if it's better than uh, what you recall? Reloaded and Revolutions, right? Correct. Right. They were shot back to back, released in the same year. Like I should six months apart or something. Right. Hurt, were you living the life when this happened? I was living the life when this happened. I actually worked, I think it was reloaded that they decided was going to open at the same time around the world. So to make that work for Pensacola, Florida, that was 6 a.m. <laughs> and I was there working to sell tickets to somewhat to like four people to watch that movie at 6 a.m. Fair enough. Just out of curiosity, yeah. how many of your friends bought trench coats after uh, the first Matrix came out? Well, uh, you know, uh, definitely one of my friends named Devin did. Uh, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but yeah, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I'm trying to think of a way that sounds that doesn't sound snobby when I say this, but uh, most of my friends really weren't the Jinko jeans type folks. You know, Fair. they were... <laughs> You know, they were, they were a little, uh, they were a little bit more hipstery, I guess. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, so the loose thread for this episode is, is, uh, you know, we've gotten a lot of word on, on the next Matrix movie, the Matrix sequel coming out in 2022, I think is what the loose timeline is. They're bringing, they're bringing back the, uh, the original cast. Some of of the original cast. One of the Wachowskis is directing and the other one is not coming back as of yet. Uh, but so far it seems like kind of a promising project. Uh, you know, most importantly, Keanu Reeves is back in. That's the most uh, exciting part, yeah. Yeah, uh, well, I'm pretty excited that Carrie Moss is back in, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. True. Rewatching these, she's real good. She is real good. Uh, uh, but, yeah, we wanted, we wanted to take a look back on, I, th- I think, in retrospect, watching these without having watched the first one immediately before it, I think the greatest sin that these movies had, uh, I mean, there are other sins, but the greatest sin that I think that they had was that they just came after the first Matrix. Well, you know, I was thinking today that it, these were kind of good movies for this sort of idea of revisiting. I think, you know, first of all, I think these are a lot like The Force Awakens in that The Matrix and Force Awakens both, I don't know, sort of sit your imagination ablaze. And by the time you saw these sequels, you had already came up with a better movie or at least a movie you liked more in your head. So they, it was hard for these to live up to the expectation. I think that's a very fair uh, assessment. What was you know, what were our initial opinions like the first time we watched these movies? Um, me, but I loved two after I watched it. Uh, I hated three, which made me retroactively hate two because much like Pirates two and three, since two doesn't operate on its own independently, if the third one's not good, it retroactively makes the second one not good. I'm yeah. just going to make a petition that the next time we do this, we do the pirate sequels. Just two and three, <laughs> not four I, and five. I, I'm down with that. Totally. I'm also down I, with I, that. Was gonna, I was actually going to suggest the same thing. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I had a really similar experience to her on this one in that I don't know if I disliked the second one that much. I knew it wasn't quite like it didn't capture the magic of the first one, but it has some fun mm-hmm. stuff in it. But then the third one had so much shit that just really frustrated me that it retroactively tarnished both of them i think yeah i'm probably pretty similar to you guys i i really enjoyed the second one but because it's so handicapped by its need for the third film i mean we'll get more into it as we get into it but i still have very like real problems with the third movie but i i would i would say i was probably more positive than the average person on the matrix sequels uh, when they came out we want to dive in on uh, on matrix reloaded the first of the sequels uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I think. I think they actually say at some point it's set like maybe six months after the events of uh, of the first Matrix film. Yeah, I think there is a time frame, but I'm not really sure how long it, it is. It was enough time for Dozer to have died off screen because the actor was a psychopath. Correct. 
But this movie, I, I, I was, uh, well, the first thing I noted down, solid opening sequence. It's that Trinity uh, on the motorcycle blowing up the guard tower and, <laughs> yeah. and the, the yeah. scorpion kick and all that shit. Uh, and then it's, you know, it does that, does that thing where it cuts to the end of the movie with, with her falling out off the building, shooting, you know, the, the super bullet time to the max kind of thing. It's, it definitely, uh, you know, it, it, it gets you right back in there, I think. Good call back to the first one, and it uh, uh, kind of ups the ante even a little bit of the that the the action scene of the first film. Uh, you know, it's yeah, a fun it, way to start this movie. Yeah, they had more like they had more locked down what they were doing at that point, and even and even though a lot of that stuff is going to seem like old hat by the third movie, in this one it was still pretty exciting to see all that shit. Um, yeah, and so, and so the premise of this movie is, you know, at the end of the first Matrix, Neo is is now the one, uh, you know, the the prophesied mystical person who's got you know superpowers in the Matrix and is the one destined to save Zion. And now he's got to actually save Zion somehow. And uh, it's not quite as straightforward as I think, even maybe the end of the first Matrix implied. You know, uh, <laughs> right. Turns out you have to actually figure out how to do that. And that's pretty much the, the, the plot of the next two movies. What um, do we think of Zion as a whole? I fucking hate it. That's just what I, I was getting to. <laughs> I, I, I hate Zion so much. I think that's the main problem with these is Zion is so fucking boring. It is. And, um, I, and I, uh, I think... I think the thought process there, uh, you know, is maybe they just wanted to, to like make the human city and show Zion and all that shit. I think, I think from like a greater narrative perspective, you know, the first movie is Neo's story and we're invested in Neo's story. And I think the rest of it is supposed to still be Neo's story, but his whole motivation after the first one is save Zion. So I guess we have to give a shit about Zion, but I don't give a shit about Zion. And every moment we spend on Zion and not on Neo and Matrix bullshit just pisses me off. So did you guys not watch the first one before this to prep for these? Nope. See, I did. I I mean, here's the main thing I noticed is that that first movie is a really sexy movie with no sex in it. You know, a lot of black leather clothes, everybody looking shiny and cool, and just seeming vaguely horny. This movie, on the other hand, the first, like, basically 20 minutes of it is basically all sex stuff, and it's the least sexy thing I've ever seen on Earth. Yeah, yeah let's... The, so- last, <laughs> Good. the last place on Earth or anywhere I'd want to be is that fucking rave, where everyone's sort of, like, gyrating in a sex manner, thought of by people who seem to have never had sex let's talk about this every single fucking rave or dance whatever the fuck we want to call it every fucking rave in the matrix in the matrix movies looks like it fucking sucks (laughs) i don't i don't know who's going to these fucking clubs but they're terrible the zion one in particular is just so fucking gross and sweaty it looks like fucking burning man but every single fucking band is stomp and i like hate it (laughs) The main thing I thought during it is I, if, if I, and I think I could probably, I could probably transfer this to you too, Joseph, is that if we survived out of the matrix, we would not be doing the cool jobs. Jones might be on one of the <laughs> ships, but me and you, we wouldn't even be working at that fucking like water treatment thing that, uh, that the guy takes Neo to, we'd be working at the call center. Uh-huh. That, you know, that is that. And that's for the water treatment where people call to complain that their water isn't treated. And the main thing I thought of when I saw the rave is I would probably just want those people to go to bed so I could go to work <laughs> the next day. <laughs> that's a super good point. Oh. Imagine how many fucking dirty footprints are going to be everywhere. <laughs> I just don't even get the mindset. That's what I don't understand. Like from a like a choice standpoint, you're like these people were just told that they're gonna die. I guess maybe the last thing you'd want to do is go to a dirty rave, but that's not the last thing I would want to do. Um, it's just really hard for me to relate to that scene because it just doesn't. I mean, it makes sense within the context of the Matrix because there is a dirty rave in the first film, I guess, but. It's I I just don't understand it from a directorial or even character decision. It's just weird. Yeah. 
Also, I feel like uh, the beginning of this movie and, and kind of right prior to that scene is our first real look into uh, how other people feel about Morpheus, which really kind of diminishes how cool they made Morpheus in the first film. Because in the first one, you know, he's, he's a hardcore believer and everyone on his ship is some level of believer, uh, even if they're not quite to his level of zealotry uh, in like the one and the prophecies and all that kind of stuff. But when he comes back to Zion, he, everyone else thinks he's a fucking quack. And uh, he sounds like a fucking quack. Uh, I, I found myself on Commander Locke's side for most of these movies. Like that dude. Look, I, <laughs> that dude, I completely disagree. Yeah? You guys talking about how boring Zion is. My problem with Zion is that the, the embodiment, the person that we relate, that we just talk to the most from Zion is Henry Lennox. And he is the most unlikable person ever <laughs> in these movies. I have no sympathy for him whatsoever. Uh, I just cannot stand every moment we spend with that guy in the stupid love triangle between him, Morpheus, and Jada Pinkett. Is it even a love triangle? Oh, nothing God, ever gets annoying. like nothing ever happens with any <laughs> of them. I I honestly think that. All pretty much all the new additions, except for Harold Perrineau, who I'm not sure if I I, uh, I I pronounce that right, but the guy from you know Lost, Lost. and Oz, uh, all the new additions except for him suck. They're just like like Matrix, you know, Matrix movies really or the first Matrix movie really breaks the rule a lot of show instead of tell. Matrix is all about telling; they explain everything, and you know I think. I think I owe Keanu an apology because I've always said he was good in these movies because he's kind of a wraith. He's just an empty spot you can put yourself in. But I think there's a certain kind of actor that can deliver this exposition and none of the new additions could do it well. Yeah, I would say uh, our hometown hero is in this movie. Old Roy Jones Jr. makes an appearance. We skipped right over that. <laughs> that is true. And to be fair to him, He's no worse than Jada Pinkett Smith, and she's a real actor. <laughs> That's true. He's actually not that bad in this movie. I wouldn't say it. It's a great performance, but it's fine. But he emotes. He shows emotions. Yeah, I love the part when they're in, like, the council meeting, and the, the agent Smith guy is like, we should volunteer. We should go. And he basically just turns around and be like, will you shut the fuck up, please? <laughs> right. like, I'm gen like when I first watched this, whatever you know year that was, probably like mm. 2006, 2007. I'm I'm not sure that I didn't get that the uh, Bane was not actually the same actor as uh, Hugo Weaving. That guy's great, right? Because he does he does Hugo Weaving's mannerisms and speech patterns without doing an imitation. It's great. It's really yeah. good. It is really and it, good. And I mean, he's, he just looks just enough in the face like him. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, there's definitely a type, and but he met it. And uh, it, it's, it's probably one of the more solid performances, oddly enough, in both of these films. Yeah. Uh, well, that brings me to, I think, probably the biggest introduction of a character. I say that. I mean, there's like cool characters that get introduced. You know, like we get Seraph, who was apparently written for Jet Li, but Jet Li wanted too much money. But I think the, the main new uh, lore addition is the Merovingian and his whole entourage of outdated programs from previous Matrixes. Right. Um, I think that's a really cool concept. Everything about that is really neat. The fact Maybe that blasphemous to say, but he should have been the villain of these films. Man, I think he's I, way more interesting than he is. Mr. Smith clone. I really, I really like Smith a lot, but I agree he at the very least should have been a way bigger part because he is really good and really easy to dislike. Because the thing is with Smith for me, my only problem with him as a villain is a lot of times I just like him more than the other guys. Yeah. I never have that with this guy. I mean, look, this role is the most fun I've ever seen Hugo Weaving have. Right, right. So I'm, I'm just happy for him, I think. But I like, I, you know, I, I, yeah, I don't know, I'm sure you, you know, the internet has made every single person in the matrix, you know, the one at some point or another, but I like the idea of the Merovingian being like a previous one uh, from a right. previous matrix that would present it with the same choice that Neo was at the end of this movie was like, Hey, this whole system's fucking rigged. Let me, let me just, you know, like join in, but like work it behind the scenes. Right. Uh, and that's right. kind of this, this uh, uh, kingdom, you know, behind the scenes, behind the curtain kingdom that he's created for himself. 
uh, with all the quote unquote vampires and werewolves and other bullshit. I love that. Like that's a really fucking cool idea. Yeah. yeah um, that would have been cool. You know, that, that kind of brings us to the, um, to the big chase, the big action sequence in the middle. And, you know, I wrote myself uh, some notes for this so I wouldn't remember it. And my only note for that was Ian was right. <laughs> Cause I don't know if you guys remember, but anytime we brought up the matrix sequels, whatever we were doing to rag on it, he would be like, yeah, man, but that, that, that chase sequence on the freeway in the middle of number two, that shit's like the best thing ever. And it is kind of the best thing. It's ever. pretty fucking and I also good. Like, I also like that Neo is out of action for most of it, so it's mostly Morpheus and Trinity kicking ass. But and and I like that in general because I feel like in these movies, as kind, of, it's like an implicit but uh, never stated result of you know Neo being the one and kind of this new uh, confidence that the human resistance has got, where the non Neo people are more willing to engage with the agents because they realize they are defeatable, you know? Right, they've seen that they're not invincible, totally. Right, and I, I like, again, it's, it's not something that they talk about, but, like, I don't know, I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a small thing that is a cool carryover. I will say, prior to this, so, one, we get introduced to the Keymaker, is that his name? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the creepy little ghost albino twins, uh, which are <laughs> cool. Uh, but prior to the highway scene, or kind of during the highway scene, we get that fight in the stairwell, with Morpheus versus all again, you know, these, these outdated programs. Right. And my favorite bit rewatching that is, you know, the, the whole point is it's a hallway with a bunch of weapons fucking all over the walls and it, it makes for a fun set piece. Um, everyone's just grabbing whatever weapon they can, but at the beginning, everybody gets to fucking pick their weapon and some guy just picks a fucking trident. Like, like that's the first thing you'd go for. <laughs> Who the fuck is proficient in trident? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. That fight sequence was really good. I shouldn't have glazed right over that. That's uh, that's some good shit. Uh, it's well choreographed, and uh, you know, it gets pretty fucking gory at the end. You know, yeah. now all that—that's the John Wick guys, right? Who did all that stuff? I don't know. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They, I guess they did. That's, I guess that was kind of their uh, credentials for before John Wick. So, I don't want to spend all the whole time on Matrix Two. So, I, what I wanted to ask before we—I got two questions before we move on to the third one. Number one, what do we think about the lore dump at the end of this movie? I, I remember, it, it's so funny, because I feel like when I first watched it, I thought it was just like incomprehensible nonsense. Uh, but kind of going back and re-listening to it, uh, kind of the way that I think it was in Neon Genesis Evangelion, they tell you exactly what, you know, like it's, it's very straightforward. He's telling you exactly what, what's happening and what the choices are and what the consequences of those choices are. Uh, you know, it's in a real like pretentious, uh, you know, assholey kind of way. But I get it. I, I think that's the, to to uh, Hertz point. I feel like in the first movie, this kind of reveal, like pulling back the curtain on what you think is real and what isn't real, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you get to be able to do visually, whereas in this one, they didn't really figure out a, a fun way to do, uh, you know, kind of this nature of choice and fate visually. Uh, and so it's just a boring old guy monologuing uh, with no facial expression for six, six or seven minutes. You know, I know that the architect is a lot of people's least favorite part of this movie, but I really liked it. It was one of my favorite scenes in the movie, and I still liked it when I watched it again. Uh, you know, I, again, I do understand it's just a guy sitting there saying exposition for like six minutes, but uh, I thought he was good at it. You know, uh, he was an engaging looking old dude. I think it's written pretty well. Like, I mean, I think, I think it's as much shit as they go through in that scene. I think like the, <laughs> the writing is fairly snappy. It's just, there's just a lot of content to get through. One of the things, <laughs> okay. one of the things that bugged me is like in the, on the TVs, I think it's supposed to be like, you know, it's a lot of times after Neil receives the prompt essentially from the architect, it's supposed to be like, his possible reactions, you know, it's, it's representing all of the choices that he could make in that moment. But all of them are, are like super exaggerated emotional responses that we've never fucking seen Neo make in any of these fucking movies. So like, or really? any character making Yeah, movies. for sure. <laughs> I, uh, I, I think that I thought that was weirder on a rewatch. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think I think the biggest issues and the, the 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 complaints really come out of kind of what you're talking about, Joseph. Is like it's not necessarily uh, 
any different than the first film. It's just not presented in a more interesting fashion. Like um, in the first film, when you really get a lore dump, it's like the the scene with Morpheus and Neo, and he's they're like the the old TV screen is there, and he's like, "This is the real world." Uh, that's that is a way more interesting visual representation of explaining what's going on versus old white dude with old Santa Claus looking guy sitting in a chair <laughs> telling you we've done this nine times before. And I also feel like that twist, I get why it, I'm not anti it in the necessarily. It just <laughs> like, I get why that lets people down. Like it just, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, you know, it, it just seems to like lack substance or shock value or anything. It's just like, Oh, okay. And you keep going. <laughs> Right. Well, it's also kind of why, you know, like, say, comparing this to Empire Strikes Back, even though Empire Strikes Back is a middle part and has a cliffhanger at the end, it also has its own objective and story that it tells throughout that with the beginning, middle, and the end. I don't know if this one does. It's just set up for the next one. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, So after revisiting it, did you come out more positive or less? I definitely came out more positive, I think. You know, I still, again, I hate the fucking dirty dance sequence mm-hmm. uh, in the cave. Uh, and I just generally don't like Zion. But there's just so many uh, cool scenes in general. The idea that the Oracle is n- kind of not alone, that there are all kinds of these like rogue programs that are, you know, kind of subsisting, making their own life in the Matrix and that there's even more behind there is is really cool. I like that a lot. Um, you know, I, I know one of the big controversies at the end of this movie is when Neo's out of the matrix and he stops the Sentinels in what is quote unquote, the real world. And, you know, the, I think the big theory among most people is that, Oh, it's a matrix within a matrix. And he's the one within both of the matrixes or something like that. Uh, which somehow I would have liked better than whatever we ended up with. Cause that is the most confuzzling part of this movie. You know, when I first thought that in this movie, during the fucking rave scene. Cause I was like, this looks so ridiculous and fake. Yeah. This must be another matrix. <laughs> and we're going to find the real, real world after this. Which That's I mean, the fourth uh, one is about. Yeah. Well, right. I, I mean, it might be, right. it, it, it would have been more to the theme of this, these two movies, but you know, whatever. I would go with, I probably liked it about the same. I, again, I was pretty positive on this one when it came out. Uh, I was only soured on it by the second one. And I still, I still pretty much feel the same on it. I, I, I think this is a good action movie that just suffers from, by not standing on its own. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm, I think this movie's better than Transformers. And uh, while I think it has its faults, it's, what's interesting to me about the Wachowskis is I, I feel like people view them as bad directors, but if anybody else had made this movie and it had been the exact same film, it would have been way worse. Like, right. uh, they just like there are ma- massive problems, but the way they present them, you just kind of buy them. Like like these issues wouldn't be these issues would be a lot bigger if it wasn't packaged the way it was. And I right. think that's a testament to Wachowski's ability. So do we want to transition to Revolutions. The, yeah, the finale, the dumbest name. <laughs> it, it is, it's the like name. they just couldn't think of a third name. I mean, Reloaded is cheesy, but I, I just buy it way more than I buy Revolutions. <laughs> right, right. I mean, uh, well, we, <laughs> I did want to mention to you, or ask you, Christian, is, is the Matrix trilogy the best live-action anime ever made? Uh, no, the best live-action anime also made by the Wachowskis. That's Speed Racer. Oh, Jesus. No, um, I'm, going, I'm going with Christian on this one. Just, just because... The, the naming conventions of the Matrix colon Reloaded and the Matrix, the Matrix colon Revolutions seem like some anime, uh, you know, spinoff movie bullshit naming conventions. Oh, definitely heavily inspired by. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the beginning of this movie, uh, Neo is out of action. He is trapped in uh, the train station which is a place between uh, the Matrix and, I guess, the real world. It's never really explained very much. Uh, the machines are mounting their what is their, supposed to be their final attack on Zion to destroy Zion once and for all. And, you know, everyone's just trying to figure out how to save the world, I guess. 
yeah. you know, the, in, the intro on this, I thought was fine, but I also like, I don't care about it one bit. I don't care about the train station thing. It's kind of cool when they go back to see the Merovingian, but it's still, you know, I would have liked more from that instead of just, you know, it's, Hey, we're going to, we're going to stand on, uh, we're going to hold guns on each other. John Woo style, you know? Yeah. I, mean, I, would, I would, again, I, third, I third rave sequence that sucks. Yeah. That's, this is actually my favorite rave sequence of the, of, of the three films. It's the only one where I'm like, oh, this makes sense because that dude definitely hangs out in raves. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair point. Man, the tra- I would say the train sequence is the worst part of these three films if I didn't hate the final fight scene so much. Sure. Um, but it's, it is the most just unnatural force thing of all of them like they were just like oh we have all this story we want to tell with morpheus and trinity and what really not even those two what's going on in zion but we feel the need to include neo uh even though we intentionally took neo off the board at the end of the last right and it's just such a weird choice to take someone who you establish as you know arguably the most powerful potent person in uh, in the Matrix, and also possibly the most powerful human being in the real world, and put him in a place where he can do fucking nothing. Right, right. He's just in a box he can't get out of. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it feels, it really diminishes his oneness, I think. Right. Yeah. Though I will, I will say the, the one bit of him jogging uh, across the train tracks is one of my favorite fucking moments in these movies. <laughs> I do like that. I was going to say, I like that he's defeated by Atari graphics <laughs> going out of one side of the screen and coming oh, back. Oh, that shit was funny. I think if they had done a better job of establishing Zion and making them more interesting and those characters more likable, uh, this part would work better. But because they're not, and they know they don't, they have to force feed us the, the Neo train sequence and then the Trinity Morpheus, we got to save Neo thing. Hmm. 30 minutes doing like the leading up to the invasion of zion if i cared about anybody at zion right i don't i did want to say before we left the merovingian thing one you know each one i think they try and up the ante on like cool shit you can do in the matrix and in this one they have a fight sequence where they're getting the guns where the bad guys can like reverse gravity to whichever direction they want uh that was cool well, see, I disagree because I don't feel like it, it afforded anyone any benefit at any point in that fight in the smallest fucking okay. room in the world. It, it looked cool. That's true. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, I, stepping back for just a second, I actually had a similar problem in the freeway sequence in the last one when the one agent is hopping from cars to cars. Uh-huh. Why, when he hit the cars, was he super heavy? What yeah. did that? What did that do for anything? How did that help him get from car to car? Except that it looked cool. I have no response. You're absolutely right. right why, okay. does it, why does a computer program weigh anything at all? <laughs> right. So, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of this movie is spent on Zion. Um, you know, we spend time on those fucking uh, mech suits with machine guns that are super fucking dumb. Uh, <laughs> we spend time with, gosh, what is, what is the, the guy's name now? from lost his girlfriend yeah yeah it's z is her name z z Z. and his 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 name in this is link yeah nobody gives a fuck about any of these people but (laughs) but you know she's uh supposed to shooting people with rocket launchers or something uh you know it's just it's just a cast of characters we've never met before in a dirty nonsense place uh and it's it's really hard to get emotionally invested in any of them I mean, the, 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 biggest, the biggest problem with this movie is how much time it spends outside of the Matrix, how much time it spends specifically on the Zion battle without cut, cutting from it. Like, there should have been a lot more intercut between what was going on with uh, Trinity and Neo and what was going on in, in Zion. And also, I think they should have just thought of something different for Neo, for Morpheus to do. He should have been doing something in the Matrix so there was a three-way cut. Besides being an overwhelmed co-pilot to uh, Jada Pinkett. He is so neutered in these second two movies. And him, and him and Niobe have zero chemistry. In fact, they have so little chemistry, they suck the chemistry out of the room. When they're doing a scene together, everyone in that scene sucks. <laughs> yeah, I think she's a lot better without him in it. 
Mm. Like her bits without Morpheus are way more interesting to me than her bits with Morpheus. Right. He should be on, he should be doing something totally separate in these films. That would yeah, make it way more interesting. Because also the MacGuffin that they, you know, oh, they brought home the EMP and they used the EMP and that stopped everything for a while. There weren't any spare fucking EMPs in the place. Yeah, well, let's, let's, not, let's not get into plot holes of Zion because Zion is a nonsense place. Uh, but I, 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 know, I know that you hate Harry Lennox in this, in this movie and apparently all movies, Christian. Uh, yeah, I, I don't like him. <laughs> I, I kind of like him as, as just like, he, you know, he's at the mercy of this board who he thinks is full of, you know, old, doddering, superstitious, I don't know. They're not capable for the, enough for their positions. And so he's just constantly, <laughs> like, he's pleading his case with what, you know, to him is the most rational thing. And they're just like, yeah, but Morpheus said there's a prophecy. God damn it, another prophecy. Uh, <laughs> but he's got, he's got a great line when he's talking to the council when they're talking about, uh, you know, hoping the ship makes it back or whatever. And he says... I'm afraid hope is an indulgence I don't have time for. I like him. a great line. I think you just like him because he's the guy you would be in this. Well, for sure. Well, Absolutely. I mean, 100%. You're not wrong. That is you. I think he's the person that most of us would be in this because, like, the idea that, that Neo, even if he's fucking great in the Matrix, is going to, like, stop a, like, a threat of a bazillion machines is fucking insane. I mean, he is way more practical than anybody else. That's true. Yeah. When, when, uh, when I didn't know this because uh, I, I read this when I was doing like the trivia. When they're talking about like losing a ship, I was like, they probably have like hundreds of ships, you know? When they say, you know, just if they if two's not enough, send three. Uh, apparently, yeah. there's only fucking twelve ships. <laughs> I think they say well, that then, at one point. I don't. I didn't catch that. <laughs> I didn't catch that either. So his argument makes a little more sense at that point. The, the one general who's in charge on the ground fight, uh, someone needs to tell him that just saying knuckle up is not a strategy. <laughs> he says it like four times. And it means different things, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Like people respond to it and they like make formations <laughs> and shit. Right. One thing that both of these movies do that I really, really hate is all of the references to the Animatrix um, with like an expectation for you to watch it. Like the opening, the, that council meeting at the end of the, at the beginning of the second film is a direct reference to the opening bit in Animatrix. That stupid kid from in both films, but definitely plays a big part in this, you know, war on Zion. He has a whole bit in the Animatrix. Don't force me to watch that crap. I don't, I don't <laughs> want to do it. Don't expect me to do it. But I did because I wanted to know what was going on. It was a good marketing ploy, but I'm angry about it. I I wonder if, if there was a time where the Animatrix just dominated used DVD stores. Because I think it was one of like the first like must-buys of a direct-to-DVD thing. And I don't think anybody loved it. It was just one of those things that was everywhere at every blockbuster all the time. And like more than once I got excited because I looked out of the corner of my eye. I was like, Oh, I'm going to rent the matrix tonight. And I was like, Oh no, it's just the animatrix. They don't have the matrix. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, there's, there's some other bullshit in this movie, but you know, the, the big climactic scene, uh, well, actually, I don't know if we want to talk about Neo getting his eyes fucking, uh, uh, electrified shut or burned out, whatever you want to fucking call it. Cause that's gorgeous. I don't love that whole fight scene on the, the ship with Bane and stuff. Yeah. It just is not very good to me. I mean, you know, that guy's still good in it, but yeah, I don't love it. was definitely from the buildup of the cliffhanger, that sequence did not lead up, uh, live up to it. Yeah. But it's, this results in, you know, Neo making it into the Machine City and kind of uh, treating, negotiating with the head of, I guess, the, just the head of the machines, the machine people. It's just a giant baby face yeah, in a, so in a spider a animal. Choice. Uh, and it's like a very emotional baby too for a fucking machine. <laughs> Neo's like, uh, you know, uh, I can I can kill him. Like we don't need your help. I'm like well, fucking, you could just say that. You don't have to yell it, bruh. Dude, when I first watched that, I, my my initial thought was that a baby? It's one hundred percent a baby. And then seventeen years later, when I watched it again, I was like, is that a baby? So I'm glad <laughs> someone has confirmed it's a baby. Well, so now, so we're we're pretty much down to the final confrontation where you know Neo makes uh, a deal with the head of the machines to to take out Smith and gets plugged back into the Matrix. 
at the source, which is, you know, the, like, I guess the center of the machine city. I don't know. And, you know, I know you might have feelings about this confrontation, Christian. I know you mentioned that earlier. I think when I first watched it, I didn't fucking get what was going on. Like, I didn't feel like I understood how this movie ended. So I'm interested to see if you guys did. I don't think I really understood or at that point cared how this movie ended the first time, but I still dug the Dragon Ball Z fight. To Joseph, what Joseph said earlier, it does appear to be the most fun Hugo Weaving ever has on screen. Right. He's just got this weird witch cackle laugh going on the whole time. And I mean, it's, it's interesting, I guess, but what is the resolution to this movie that, that they just decide they're going to keep farming humans, but not murder the ones that are alive at the core of the planet. Well, and I think also that they can still keep setting people free that want to be free without conflict. So if you choose the, whichever pills, the sit pill that sets you free, uh, you can go and there won't be an agent there to fuck it up is what I understood it to be, but it's pretty vague. Right. I think that is, that is accurate. Why would the machines ever agree to that? That's what, that's what I, that, how in the world does that make any sense? Right. They, they made it, they made an arrangement. That's what the architect says at the end, you know, what, are you going to honor the agreement? What am I human? I don't know. I kind of <laughs> like that line. Um, yeah, I, I just feel like when I watch it, so I mean, the fight sequence is nonsense because like the whole point of the fight is, is dumb. It's Neo fighting, you know, Super Smith with a bazillion other Smiths lining the entire planet, the entire We're Matrix. just watching. We're just watching. Right. So the whole, they participate. So, so the whole thing is... <laughs> They're like, machines. They what, don't have morality. What if, what if he does beat that one Smith? Then what are they all going to do? You know, like, give up? <laughs> like, I don't... I don't understand what Neo thought was going to happen at the end of this. But yeah, what I think I didn't get when I watched it the first time, or maybe the second time, I don't know how many times I've watched this movie, is the idea that, like, Smith has been disconnected from the source. That's, like, his whole thing. And so when he absorbs Neo, who's literally plugged in at the source, the source can get to Smith and delete him, which, like, I don't know. I just didn't fucking get that. Like, the third time, though, because, like, oh, I fucking see... Right. Be. It makes more sense to me now. <laughs> I mean, actually, I didn't see that till you just said it. I was just like, I mostly saw that scene. like, oh, okay, well, we need to end at this spot. Right. This well, that's that's kind of how I always felt it was. was. I and mean, now I was like, oh, I, I, like, I see the logical structure they're trying to put in place. But I just, I, I'm, I was too dumb to get it the first two times I watched it. Uh, so maybe a few more explanations. You know, like, it's not like they're, they're at a loss for fucking dialogue or monologues in this movie. Uh, right. you know, maybe, maybe throw in a few more lines here and there. I don't know. Yeah, I, I just I struggle with both the resolution between the machines and the people, and between Neo, the fight between Neo and Smith. Because again, I was forced to watch the Animatrix, and you go at such lengths to tell me that the machines just don't care, like they have right. no um, sense of respect or boundaries or morality, and so there's not even really a, a rationale because Neo just dies and they could think, Oh, well that's over. Let's go kill all these humans. Now. Yeah. Right. But that's not what happens. And so like, I, I, I don't understand this need to, you know, Oh, we agreed to something. We're going to stick to it. Uh, and I also don't understand if Smith so desperately wants to win, why doesn't he attack with all of the Smiths? Why is it like, Oh, it has to be the one. Right. Know. It just it just doesn't seem to be it it's boundaries I get it to get resolution but the boundaries really don't make sense to me. I mean look a, a one on the the whatever it is one on 30 Smith fight in the second one is one of my least favorite parts of that movie. Uh so a one on 10,000 Smiths I can't imagine would have been more fun for me but Right. So yeah, oh look, I, you know, we're, we're unless you guys had anything else we're getting to the close of this. Well, no. Yeah, I have nothing else. Uh, yeah, mainly the only thing I had to say is they, they really couldn't come up with a third Rage Against the Machine song. I know, right? <laughs> like The other two ended in a Rage song. It's your tradition. Why didn't the third one end in a Rage that, song? That shit irritated me also. <laughs> yeah. uh, I will say, having rewatched them, I think I, think I would have said that Reloaded might have been better than Transformers before this rewatching them, but they're both better than Transformers. Uh, I, think, I think Reloaded is a pretty fun movie, and Revolution's is is frustrating at times but is i mean it's it's entertaining pretty much the whole time 
I guess I've tried kind like kind of changed my opinion based on the same premise. Um, before I would have said that I didn't like the second one because of I not liking the third one. But at this point, I'm going to give the third one a pass because I like the second. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I think they're both better than Transformers. I know I just, you know, complained about the ending a ton, but right. uh, I think they're fun action movies. I think they maybe not always hit, but attempt to be smarter than your average action film. Right. Um, and oddly enough, I don't, there are characters I don't care about, but there's no one in this movie that I think like does a bad job. I don't think the actors are that bad. I think I think the directing is pretty good. Um, and while the while the like the writing and the exposition, I don't know, is always great. Uh, I go back to what I originally said, which, back to what I said about the second film, which is I think if anyone had done those same lines of dialogue and those same scenes, it would have been terrible. Right. But it just works with the Wachowski style, and uh, these are these are fun films that I can go back to. Maybe not all the time, but. Uh, every couple of years or so i can go and watch the matrix films i mean the first one is an anytime movie like if it's on it's it's really easy to watch but yeah the other two yeah you might need a little break in between i will say you know uh, i'm not i don't i can't imagine anyone else being neo but i i think even within our expectations of keanu reeves that we've set recently in recent years uh I feel like he definitely has some spotty moments of line delivery. And there's one particular one at the very beginning of this where he's talking to Sati and she asks him, are you from the matrix? And he goes, yes, no. <laughs> I mean, I was. And I'm like, I, I did more emotion in that. I can't not do it. I can't do it the way that he did it where it's just, it's so like straight off a page where like the whole point is like, it's supposed to be him saying yes and then reconsidering and then saying no and then reconsidering like well i was uh but there's none of that it's literally just i i you know it's like plugging it into fucking google translate or whatever and having the machine voice read it in order with absolutely no affectation it's amazing you talking about it just made me think of this you guys ever think that maybe the 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 like stale nature of neo is because in some ways He's not just infecting the the machines, but the machines are infecting him. Like he's not this just random piece of source code within the matrix. He's also part of the machine like source code in the human world. That like I mean, he uh, is robotic himself. Yeah, I mean that is that was the explanation that that the Oracle gives him kind of in the third movie is for the reason he could stop the Sentinels in the real world is that he is connected to the source in some way. And I like to think that kind of. Uh, kind of in a semi-Dr. Manhattan-y kind of way because he can see all of the Matrix when he's in the Matrix. Uh, that, you know, for sure he is experiencing reality uh, in a different way than everybody else around him and probably reacts differently that because of it. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's the last two Matrix movies. You know what? You probably haven't seen them since 2004 unless you were watching TNT. Uh, but if you haven't, fucking go for it. They're, they're on Netflix for like two more days. <laughs> <laughs> oh really we did this two days before they drop wow. that's correct yeah useful service we provided <laughs> yeah i mean you, you probably let's just go to blockbuster pick them up it'll be fine <laughs> anyway that's it for uh for the matrix sequels what have we been watching guys well let me see i was on a wakowski kick so i did watch the best uh, an anime film i watched <laughs> speed racer again and it is better than transformers what a good time i think and if it was just single- anyone but emile hirsch i could get more on board with it but i just hate emile hirsch's dumb face so goddamn much my favorite part of that movie is how little matthew fox tries <laughs> <laughs> he's just present and uh it's kind of great yeah. Um, I really like that movie. It's over the top and zany, and uh, I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, unlike the Star Wars prequels, where the all CGI background doesn't work in those films, it 100% works in, in Speed Racer because of just how unrealistic it is. It, it, they, they're like, oh, you can tell this is CGI, so let's make it a cartoon. And I love it. That, I mean, I, that's the most fun part about this movie is how how much they go for, let's just make this shiny and unrealistic. 
Yeah. And I, I think it works. I restarted. I decided to, I'd rewatch Doctor Who. I made it through three seasons of Doctor Who. Uh, great show. If, you know, if the rising COVID cases is encouraging you to stay home again, watch Doctor Who. It's on HBO Max. Uh, you can't go wrong. It's better than Transformers. The Doctor is exactly the hero we need in a world like today. Um, is, is it just the present Doctor Who series or like old shit? Yeah, no, it's just new who. Uh, oh, right I don't, I, I don't know where to find some. Uh, you can find a lot of that stuff on YouTube, but um, yeah. Well, there's a there's a Pluto channel that shows it all all day out of order, and it's kind of fun to watch, but it's <laughs> you can't really get anything out of it. Yeah, I watched Scoob. Oh no! <laughs> Let me, uh, you know, give the dad report. Um, you know, look. I think it's probably better than Transformers, but I have two major issues with it. Number one, Matthew Lillard should always be Shaggy. I don't know why they didn't cast him as Shaggy. Um, what's his face from Last Man on Earth is not good as Shaggy. Uh, Matthew Lillard is not good in anything but besides being Shaggy. So uh, just keep that guy doing that. The other thing is it's not really like a Mystery Inc. movie while it's very much a Scooby Shaggy movie, it's also like a weird Hanna-Barbera universe reboot. Um, Blue Falcon is in it. Dick Dastardly. Um, God, the caveman guy. The credits, like Johnny Quest pops up. Like, it's weird to me they included all of those characters. Um, you could have just made a fun Mystery Inc. movie. And those people are all well cast. Like, Zac Efron is a good uh fred and uh what's her butt jane the virgin chick she's a good velma amanda sifried is a good daphne like i would watch all of these people play live action versions of these characters um but they don't spend a lot of time with them because uh, again this odd choice to make a wacky racers kind of reboot having said that there are really good jokes in it the animation's pretty good there are some really fun callbacks like they do the original scooby-doo or where are you Scooby-Doo opening. So the classic song and, and the exact same like order of scenes, but just, you know, new animation style. Um, I thought that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's okay. It's on HBO max. If you got nine minutes, <laughs> maybe watch it, but you've become, you've become the, this, the uh, HBO max spokesperson on this podcast. <laughs> I know. Well, it's got a lot of stuff I like on it. <laughs> the, the studio Ghibli stuff. And then, Oh, I, I also watched Howl's moving castle and, uh, yeah, the movie's good. Uh, what, what can I add that hasn't already been said? I think I prefer Spirited Away, honestly, but um, Howl is kind of creepy. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, that's good. Better than Transformers. Oh, oh, one more thing. I, have, oh. I didn't watch this this week. I'm sorry. I told somebody that I would talk about it. I watched The Lord of the Rings Reunited Apart. And uh, man, if you love Lord of the Rings and you got an hour, get on YouTube. You have to put up with Josh Gad the whole time but if you can <laughs> get past that part, part uh it is just really really good to spend time with those characters again and those actors they seem to genuinely like each other i mean they spent three years of their lives making these movies together and uh they seem to really you know love each other and like to spend time with each other and that's nice to see and and uh watching them reenact those lines of dialogue again is 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 really cool I watched it like a month ago, but I was talking to somebody about it and they were like, oh, please talk about it on the next podcast. And I was like, okay, I will. And I totally forgot, but I'm doing it this week. Well That's done. It. Right on. Main thing I, I, I have to talk about this week, um, you know, uh, Ian's been reading a lot of comics and he's been giving me a lot of recommendations. And uh, I tried out one of them this week uh, called Black Panther and the Crew. Uh, it's a thing I had been hesitant to try out because I already read the main Black Panther comic, and you know, I was basically like, "Why do I need this? Why can't it just be presented in the main title?" And I think it could be presented in the main title, but it's a it's a real good comic. Uh, you know, it's a uh, basically an all black team: uh, uh, Misty Knight, Black Panther, Storm, um, Manifold, and Luke Cage. Uh, you know, and uh, it's very modern in its presentation. The team that we see on the first cover of the first issue isn't fully assembled till the fifth issue. Issue, so it's kind of, kind of decompressed, kind of uh, 
spread out, but it, it's a good read. I would recommend. Cool. That's all I got. All right. I don't have that much either. Uh, the wife and I on our, on our Ghibli kick watched uh, Princess Kaguya, which is, you know, it's another Ghibli film. It's, it's got like this kind of watercolor style animation and it's apparently based off an old Japanese folk tale. I don't know what we were expecting out of it, but it was super goddamn sad. <laughs> uh, so I think it was really pretty. Uh, I will never watch it again, and I don't recommend anybody watch it because it's too fucking sad. Uh, and also, uh, I haven't made it very far, but the wife and I bit the, what would we call us? The, the weeaboo bullet and bot crunchy roll so, to watch a, sh- a show called Fruits Basket, which is a show for young girls, and I don't really know what it's about yet, but we're starting. It's on Hulu. Yeah, but it's only a dub. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> You fucking dork. <laughs> it's just better. It's better. Uh, sub. Uh, you know, a, a little aside, uh, I, I was talking to a friend and he was explaining some anime he was watching. And and it was super I, complicated. And well, no, I it just, I was trying to think if, if it, if it was one that you guys had talked about on here, but I realized as he was explaining it, it was like every fucking anime you guys, uh, you guys, uh, thing because this thing was like well you know it's something where you know there's this girl and there's this guy and he's always touching her boobs and it makes it weird and uncomfortable for a while but if you get through it it's a good story that's like, <laughs> every fucking description you guys ever get was it seven deadly sins because that it was seven deadly sins that's correct yeah yeah it made, that made me stop watching it because it is a <laughs> lot of that dude grabbing that girl's boobs <laughs> good stuff Get Crunchyroll. Uh, but I think I think that's it for this week and also the end of our plans. Remember when we had plans for the next week, guys? Oh, we had Hamilton. We, We're we have, oh, we have fucking Hamilton. Week. Yeah, next yeah. Ne- next week, the uh, the uh, recording oh, no, no, of no, the live no, Broadway no. performance of uh, of Hamilton is dropping on Disney Plus, and fuck yeah, we're going to watch it. <laughs> uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll do a review on that. Hopefully, you guys watch it too. I've, I've, I've heard some songs from it. I don't actually really know the plot. I've never fucking seen Hamilton, so I'm excited about it. Yeah, it's I'm, I'm pretty time. excited about this one, yeah. Uh, but cool. Anything else, you guys? Not a- Nothing for me. All right. Uh, so thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, please rate, subscribe, tell your friends about the podcast. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us and tell us how you feel about The Matrix or The Matrix sequels, uh, or weird dirty dance parties. You can reach <laughs> us at realphonies at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at realphonies and on Instagram at real underscore phonies. Thanks to Zach Evans for art and Brian Velasquez for our theme. We'll see you guys next week. Later. Are you from the Matrix? Yes. No. I mean, I was.